get get it started. No, I'm just kidding. I won't say. <laughs> All right. So, um, Sunday, January 15th. All right. Good morning, baseball fans. It is Sunday, January 15th, season two, episode four, I think, maybe, I don't know, of Bourbon and Baseball. I am your host, Susie Fulton. And over there, if you are on YouTube watching, um, that is not, that is not Shelby, unless Shelby changed drastically overnight. That's not Shelby. That is uh, H-Town Wheelhouse. You guys might recognize him from the Locked On Astros podcast. Um, Shelby could not be here today, so Brett, uh, Brett filled in for us. And I say us like I got a mouse in my pocket. I don't. Um, Brett filled in for <laughs> Shelby today, and we are thrilled to have you. Again, this royal we. This, that's what we're going to go with. Anyhow, how are you today, Brett? I'm doing great. You know, it's um, Sunday. We've got a long weekend. You know, Monday is Martin Luther King Day, where we honor a great civil rights hero and um, someone who had a lot of, you know, a positive change in this country. And, you know, with with baseball right around the corner, I mean, look, the sky's the limit. 2023 is a new year. And we just came off a great season of Locked on Astros. And we look forward to doing so many more things, especially this coming weekend, we'll be at FanFest. And I know you'll be there um, be doing some photography stuff, I assume. We'll be getting some fan interviews and just Ooh. taking <laughs> pictures of. We'll do kind of do a Locked On FanFest 2023. First time we've ever done this. So um, our producer, Mark, who we just brought on, is going to be doing some filming. And we'll just go from there. So, uh, yeah, just... Life's busy, life's fast and furious, and um, so I do appreciate you having me on. That's very cool. That that's goals for for twenty twenty four fan fest. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, I am going as a helper of one of uh, my photography friends. They are doing. I've actually never been to a fan fest, so I don't really know how it works or what's going on. But apparently, there's baseball cards that are being made on-site being printed nice. and whatnot. So um, I'm helping their company do those, I guess. I'm not sure. So wait, I'm... you mean like the professional athletes baseball cards? No, no, no. Although I oh. do know some of those too. But no, I guess it's the like the fans that, that come in, I okay. guess, okay. can get a picture taken and be placed on a baseball card. I, again, yeah. I'm not yeah. really sure you know, there. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like those old, you know, good old league, league pictures big pictures where like you put like your favorite food and who's your favorite <laughs> right yeah. hit or something. Yeah. Right. I remember so, those days, but that's cool. That, that's yeah, cool. So um, I will, I will be there helping with that. Um, so hopefully, hopefully I'll get to see some of uh, our listeners there. Um, but then, you know, goals for 2024 fan fest is, you know, maybe the actual show um, being there to, you know, do, do interviews and fun things like that, Brett. So, uh, Brett, are you, uh, are you drinking today? You know what? I'm not. Um, I actually had a massive, I had a really large cup of coffee this morning. It was this new French press that my wife bought. Oh, and fun. instead of going through the Keurig or Nespresso, it's this little, I, I think this little doodad thing is from France. I don't know. Like I, I, I really sound hickish right now, but, um, she put the coffee in at the hot water. She puts it over the, over the burner uh -huh. and it, it like heats the coffee up and it basically brews the coffee in this little thing. And then she frosts the milk in a whole nother like flask, almost like a uh -huh. Walter White looking thing. Oh, and then we put it together and it's actually better than Starbucks. So very cool. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm at, as the kids would say, I'm pretty lit right now with caffeine. So. <laughs> Um, okay, well, um, I, I had some caffeine and I had my Adderall, so we're hoping that, you know, we can <laughs> kind of keep on track. But but I'm going to derail all of that because, you know, the show's called Bourbon and Baseball, so we like to drink over here. So I have some squirrel peanut butter whiskey. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Um, bourbon, actual bourbon drinkers, whiskey drinkers, don't come for me. I realize that this is not an actual thing that real, real people will drink, right? But apparently, <laughs> apparently, if you mix... If you're on YouTube, you can go see the bottle. If you mix peanut butter whiskey with cranberry juice, mm -hmm. supposedly it tastes like a peanut butter and jelly. Supposedly. Are you, okay, so you're about to 
find out live on we're, air? We're we're about to find out. That's that's part of the that's part of the show. That's that's part of the well, fun of the show. While you're pouring, uh, we had a sponsor one time, Belching Beaver with Locked On, and they have a peanut butter stout. Now, is that a beer? I'm, it's a beer. I'm okay. not a big like beer connoisseur, like IPAs. I can't stand. I mean, just a whole bunch of any issues. Anyways. I tried this peanut butter stout and it just was not good. But a friend of mine who works for the company was like, oh, it's my favorite drink. And so I was like so excited that I was going to drink liquefied peanut butter. Was it, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what it tasted like to me, but it definitely did not taste. It was stout, but it didn't taste like peanut butter. We're going to, we're going to taste this. We're, we're going to, we're going to see. So while, while, uh, while I, I like your fancy this. straw. Is it? It's not, it's not. It's not horrible. Hold on. It's 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 giving peanut butter and jelly vibes. That is now. Is this like is this like Welch's peanut butter Welch's and Jeff peanut butter jelly vibes, or is this like Great Value peanut butter jelly vibes? Oh, okay. So, are, are, is that are we talking like high end versus low end? Is oh, that what yeah, we're going yeah. With? Okay, yeah. Um. I'm gonna go with high end. No, it's not. It's not. It's not horrible. It's not delightful. It's not. It's not the best thing that I've ever drank in my entire life. But it's passable. What? Oh, all right then. Well, I will. So I had. I had a Bloody Mary, like chilling on the on the wings, just just in case that, that this <laughs> drink was this drink was horrific and non non drinkable. But uh. See, I came completely unprepared. I didn't even read the room. I didn't even think about the title "Bourbon and Baseball." So you'll have to forgive That's my novice ways. That's Maybe, disappointing, Brett. May, I know. Well, hopefully, I make the cut for another <laughs> guest appearance, and um, I'll shake it up a little bit. I don't. I mean, I get. I guess we'll keep you. I mean, it's it's whatever, you know. So, but you know, we like we like to cut up. We like to have fun over here. Um, not saying that you know other pods don't, but you know, it's not. It's not as structured as, as some as some pods, and we like that because both Shelby and I have ADHD, and we like to be squirrels. So, um, but on today's episode, we will we will chat uh, about the other free agent signings, where some big names have gone, the biggest being Carlos Correa. That's that's a whole other thing in and of itself, and then we will chat about our Astros arbitration numbers, um, some fun, who got married, who got engaged. And then we will end on kind of an interview portion, Brett. I, you know, I'm super excited to, to get you know, to, to get to know you a little bit better. So uh, we will, we'll jump right into it. And we will start with uh, probably the most well-known uh, free agent signing, Carlos Correa. Now, at the beginning of this, had you told me that Carlos Correa was going to get less years and less money than Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts. I've called you a dirty, filthy, not not nice name liar. Like it's just the fact that Carlos Correa was bounced around to three different teams and ended with back at the Minnesota Twins is just mind boggling. Yeah, it so, does. Go for it. You know it. It really puts into perspective why the Astros were not willing to offer him 10 years outside of it's not how they build their team. It's not what they do. It's, it's not what Jim Crane does. And this is his team, but the medicals, and this is what's most surprising to me is why did it get to the point it got to in San Francisco with having Pete Patilla over there who knows Carlos Correa, who knows the medicals, who was in player development from 2016 to 2019. And to me, if you're having to consult multiple doctors, there's got to be some serious concern. And you're right. Going back to Minnesota was the last place I thought that the Orioles would scoop him up. Because to me, Carlos Correa would make perfect sense in Baltimore. He's a veteran. He kind of takes that place that Machado was for them before he left, right? And they've got Adley Rutschman. They've got Gunnar Henderson, who's probably the 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 favorite right now in the preseason rookie of the year candidacy. But the fact that he went back to Minnesota tells me that Boris behind the scenes probably 
had these emergency deals worked out. Obviously, he had something worked out with the Mets because he figured it might fall through. But the Astros now are looking like geniuses because right. now we got Jeremy Pena. And look, Carlos Correa is a great shortstop, one of the better, one of the best shortstops of this division, but or of this generation. But when I said Francisco Lindor, if he signs the long-term deal before Carlos Correa does, it's going to basically be bad for him. And not just that, but now people had time to dive into it. Xander Bogarts gets signed, Trey Turner. But I think Trey Turner is one of the most underappreciated. I think that kid is probably pound for pound one of the most talented, if not the most talented shortstop in all of baseball. And he doesn't get that kind of credit. So Yeah, no, I will, um, I will watch Trey Turner do slides and home base for days. Like if I just want to just be mesmerized, I will just watch that gif of Trey Turner sliding. And I don't understand like how that well, happens. No, and, but, but see, he's, I feel like he's like that on the field too. He's so smooth. His, his, his transition from glove to hand is, is like second to none, his range, his arm. And I mean, his bat, you know, like I say, he just, he's in a, group and a class of shortstops that has a ton of talent. Right. But what was odd to me was you had heard speculation about the Mets saying, okay, Carlos is going to move to third. And then it falls through. You're like, what? And it was the advisors. It was the club guys, the, I guess, up restaurant that, that, that Steve Cohen has, it says, Hey, you might not want to do this. This is kind of a stirring up a hornet's nest. Cause you notice the last four or five years of Carlos's contract are non-guaranteed with Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Well, my my question is, is the ankle now made of glass? What what's going on with the ankle here? So, I mean, the fact that the the Giants' ankle specialist said, "Nope, no, we're not we're not doing this," but then the Mets used the same ankle specialist as the Giants. So obviously. <laughs> They're not going to, he's not going to go over to the Mets and be like, oh yeah, no, you, y'all perfect. Good for you. No, obviously that's not going to happen. Right. Which seems a little strange to me. Is there only one ankle specialist? Is it, is it the best, most (laughs) well-renowned ankle specialist in the entire world? Like what, what happened here? Like I I figured that the Mets were going to have their own, their own team and their own people to do their own evaluation and make their own judgments. But if they're using the same doctor as the giants, then that, I don't want to say it's collusion, but it looks, it it, it doesn't give a great look. Right. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't really know enough about how, like what, what people that these clubs can, you know, um, confer with. I don't know if there are three or four ankle specialists, you know, um, maybe, maybe the guy's, well, last name is Ankleton or something like Dr. Ankleton, <laughs> you know, he is, he is the guy. And then, right. and then they have, then they have shoulder McGee who checks on shoulders. I mean, I don't know if there's league guys, if there's renowned guys, but I know with the Astros, they have their own medical staff. And, but outside of the ankle, it was still the length of the deal. Yeah. And ultimately is this also a little bit of, Carlos Correa's ego as well, because everybody said, well, Boris, this Boris, that, but what people don't don't realize or remember is that Scott Boris works for Carlos Correa, not the other way around. So every demand they had was from Carlos Correa, not Scott Boris. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I just, I have no idea. That's just, it's gotta be a whole, a whole humble pie, not even like a slice of humble pie. It's got to be the whole damned thing with some extra whipped cream on there. Cause for, for Korea to, to do these massive, you know, one year opt out deals to sign this six year, $200 million, like just blows my mind. So, you know, I guess Korea, if you, and I, I need to talk to twins fans, I need to talk to twins fans. Do you feel, do you feel jilted? Do do they feel like they're they're second rate citizens? Like they he went and tried out the other teams and then was like, oh, just kidding. Guess we're gonna have to settle for the twin. Like I need I need to know I need to feel the temperature of of the of the yeah. You know I think 
I think Twins fans, from what I could see online, they were excited, but it definitely isn't a basically the only thing Carlos Correa can do from this point on is to stay healthy. Right. And he's going to have to avoid. I promise you, you're not going to see him stealing any bases. I no, mean, no, but we didn't. We, I mean, we didn't see him stealing bases to yeah, begin with, though. That's no, like, but I'm that's saying um, game. he he may not be legging a double out to a triple. Yeah. I, I just if he can stay healthy and he can stay away from injury, then that is the only thing that I think is going to squash the criticism. Because yeah. what is a big criticism with Byron Buxton? Byron Buxton yeah. is pound yeah, for pound so one of the best. I don't know why I keep saying pound for pound like one of those boxing kick. But <laughs> um, Byron Buxton, when he's healthy, is one of the most talented outfielders in all of baseball. Yep. And when you look at his injuries, he's not necessarily injury prone. He's just had some bad luck injuries. He's not, he's not like, it's not like soft tissue damage and, oh, he's injury prone. He's going to have injuries every year. He just happens to get in some bad situations and they just kind of compiled or piled up on him over the, over the, um, over his career. But if Buxton, Buxton can stay healthy, Correa can stay healthy. They got Royce Lewis, who's a stud Mm -hmm. up and coming guy. They've got pitchers. They've got a team. They can be competitive in that American League Central. I think it's wide open. Uh, yes and no. They've, I mean, you're saying there's a chance, a very, very tiny one. Um, I still think the, I still think the the Guardians. Oh yeah, um, well, take, the, take that. Oh yeah, well, oh yeah. I think I think the Guardians are up there, but I'm just saying I think that Central because the White Sox. What are they going to be? I mean, no, the, <laughs> there's there's not a whole lot of competition outside of Fox. Cleveland, so it may be a Cleveland Minnesota fight. Dog, yeah, fight. I I think it I think it may be. Um, it's yeah, it's a it's a whole it's a whole thing. We're, we'll um, but that's that's an issue for another another episode. So we'll uh we'll move on to the other free agent signings okay. here. So um, but also um. We are going to mention Liam Hendricks. We mentioned the White Sox. Liam yes. Hendricks um, was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, uh, you know, prayers go out to Liam Hendricks. And I know that that White Sox family is is, is going to rally around him. And uh, hopefully he can take that attitude that he had on the mound and, you know, give it any everything he's got uh, to uh, beat that cancer because that is that is some nasty shit over there so yeah that um, is tough you know and I've you know shoot I've recently had um, I've got I've got two friends um, one who has um, a 14 year old um, who just got diagnosed with leukemia and another one who has a sixth grader both diagnosed with leukemia just out of the blue randomly and so anytime you're dealing with non non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, leukemia, any kind of cancer, especially in someone, especially when the person is healthy, when the person is in the prime of their career or they're young. I mean, cancer is, is nasty no matter when you, no no matter when a diagnosis comes down and it, and it's serious in every case, but you hate to see it because Liam Hendricks, as much as I've not liked him being a competitor of the Astros, I respect his fire and his tenacity. And if, if that is any reflection of his character, which I know it is, then he's going to fight this and he's going to come out smelling like roses and it'll be a great comeback story. And it'll be an inspiration to other people because, you know, there are a lot of people out there, Susie, that, that deal with this stuff that are like you and me, they're just average people. We're not, you know, we're not world-class athletes making millions of dollars, but when someone like a Trey Mancini, um, Liam Hendricks, these guys can go through this and come out on the other side it inspires people and it, it, it gives people the opportunity to say, you know what, maybe I can do it. They're just like me. And so sometimes blessings come out of the weirdest, most dark places. And I would definitely wish him all the best. I know the White Sox will do a phenomenal job supporting him through the process. Yep, for sure. So uh, again, our, our prayers and thoughts out to uh, Liam Hendricks and the entire White Sox family. Um, but, you know, sticking in, in the AL, Trevor Story going and having modified Tommy John surgery. I, I don't even I don't even understand this for for Trevor Story and the Boston Red Sox. And I I don't even understand what's going on in the Red Sox organization right now. Um, so for those that that um, recap, those that don't know, they did um, resign 
their third baseman, Rafi Devers, to a long-term extension, which the Red Sox fans were clamoring for after they let their longtime shortstop, Xander Bogarts, sign the Padres. Uh, Trevor Story, front going from the Rockies to the Red Sox, originally moving from short to second. Trevor Story has been their everyday shortstop for the last couple seasons, and now he is out mm. with modified TJ, which just blows my mind. And Yeah, they said five to six months. He's yeah, out. they were – so. Uh, I think Heim Bloom, I think the quote from Heim Bloom was that they weren't expecting him this season. They're, wow. If, if everything goes swimmingly, apparently he can be back as soon as All-Star break. But they're basically not planning on Trevor Story being being their, sec- their, their second baseman. Um, but originally they were going to slot him over to shortstop. So now the Red Sox are just in right we, we don't even know what's going on yeah the red so. Sox are in what i would call baseball purgatory they don't they are they're not definitely at the top of that al east they're maybe they're at the bottom i mean maybe they're the maybe they're the washington nationals of the al east i mean they just i mean those i'm are, sorry those are fine words brett <laughs> well i mean the nationals i mean come on i mean the the nl east is Everybody and the Nationals. The AL East is becoming everybody and the Red Sox Red because Sox. yeah, yeah. The Blue Jays beefed up. Uh, the Orioles are going to be better. Um, yeah, and you know that's still one team I don't want to face in a divisional series yeah. in the playoffs because Dang their the pitchers Orioles. have some yeah. kind of um, some kind of black magic on our guys. Um, yeah, they've got some Jobu figure or something. They've you know, Mike Elias has got some intel. Maybe, yeah. maybe he's planted bugs in our uh, <laughs> in our clubhouse. But you know, that's the thing. Um, yeah. And what is amazing about all this stuff going on, Susie, and all these moves, is the Astros are still like everybody's top lineup and all this stuff, and we're doing it without a real GM. Without that's a real amazing. GM. Yep. And. Um, <laughs> Everyone, everyone's like, oh, we're making all these moves without, uh, look guys, like I understand that, you know, that yes, we don't have, a, we, we do not, we do not have a, a GM. Is Jim Crane pulling all the strings and is the ultimate pu- puppet master? You bet your damn ass he is. Uh, I mean, the fact that he is, you know, a self-made gajillionaire, just, he, he got there by doing, doing the hard things, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that he has placed himself and surrounded himself with with uh, people that are smarter, not, maybe not smarter than him, but are more well versed in in other areas. And he has surrounded himself with the, with those people that can help him make the decisions. So now, would I feel better about our season if we had a GM? Sure. <laughs> am I am I going to begrudge the fact that he is going to take his time to try and find someone that maybe works um, maybe a little bit more harmoniously within? the system that he wants yes so you know i'm going to i'm going to err on the side of let jim crane cook all right that's that's my that is my official position um is let jim crane cook i think odds are he's going to bide his time and we may not see a we may not see a gm this season so don't don't be surprised if if we go this entire season without a gm guys see and see i think okay so I'm just thinking about like the Astros messaging department hasn't been the best. Okay. I mean, if we go back to the debacle of the apologies and, uh, you know, 2017 spring training where they kind of forced Pregman and Altuve to be the, like the sacrificial lambs to apologize for whatever was going on at the time. We didn't even know what, what really the whole, we didn't, we hadn't seen everything unfold to just, there've been some, PR snafus, I think, for the Astros, who would benefit them to have somebody by the time pitchers and catchers report or everybody reports to spring training because you want your GM out front talking. You want someone like you remember because when James Click got here, he was the person talking. It wasn't Jim Crane because Jim Crane, if he's going to spring training, he's not he's not doing a ton of interviews. He might let Berman interview him, but he's just walking around talking to his guys. So he's not that guy. I don't know if Fergus is going to be that guy if they go in house, but I would love them to get um, Sig Sigma Doll from from the Orioles. I don't know if they can pull him over. I don't know what that would take. 
Right. But to me, it would be advantageous to have somebody when spring training starts because Jim Crane is great at a lot of things. One thing he hasn't been great at is messaging and doing the things he needs to do. But you know what, though? That's not necessarily his job. But if you look yeah. at the Astros organization top to bottom, they put smart people in the right places. And every player, every coach, every person in the development system that I've interviewed have always said, Jim Crane sets us up for success year in and year out. And so yeah. I, I believe that they'll have somebody sooner rather than later just because they're going to need a mouthpiece and someone talking to the press because Jim Crane is not going to want to field those questions. Right. Finger, fingers crossed. But I think, I think he's going to, I think he's going to push Fergus out there to, to be the, uh, to be the mouthpiece for, for so a over minute. under, let's say six months. Are you taking the over? These are betting terms, Brett. Hold on. Is the over is over. Is that what I believe will happen or is, yeah, so are you are you saying that it's going to take them six months or longer to find a GM or six months and less? Six months and longer. Is that the okay. over? Okay, so I'll take the under. And okay. whoever wins, I don't know, we'll figure something out. I'll buy you some bourbon or something. Perfect, perfect. Can, can it be vodka or tequila instead, please and thank you? Vodka? <laughs> are, you, are you secretly Russian? No, no, but no? I am secretly okay. a, I like to actually drink my drinks and not make faces person. That's, that's oh. me. <laughs> See, I make faces. If I have vodka, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, I should do still shots of me like taking random drinks and seeing how <laughs> I react because I don't drink a ton, so I'm a total noob. I'm like, I'm like, funnily the kid that's enough, like, hey, this Dad, is the only time beer? I drink is the is for the show. Like on a on a night to night basis or day to day basis, I typically like don't don't drink. Like people are like, Susie, do you just? I'm like, no, I'm not not an actual alcoholic. I just play one on TV. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, it's literally only, only this, but my husband's like, my husband likes, likes the bourbon and he goes, you just have to keep drinking it until you like it. I'm all, I'm a damned adult. Like I don't need to drink alcohol until I like it. Like that's just, that's what you do when you're like 17 and you can't get your right. hands on, on alcohol. You just drink whatever <laughs> you, you can get. That's not, we're not set up like that. So, you know, it's, it's a whole thing, but anyways, but see, see, here's the thing. Interesting fact. I didn't have my first drink till I was 26 or 27. That, that is a very, that's a very long time, Brett. Wow. Yep. What, what was your, what was your first drink? It was, it was a, it was a rum and Coke. Mm -hmm. Funny story. And I'll even tell this on the show because I'm sure it'd be good, good material for y'all. Um, when, when my wife and I got married, um, I said, you know what? I really feel like having a drink tonight. I feel like having a Roman Coke. She goes, what is a Roman Coke? I said, you know, a Roman Coke. It's a rum and Coke. It's called a Roman Coke. And she goes, nobody calls it that. And I'm like, but my, so I had to call my friend and he's like, I never said Roman Coke. You heard Roman Coke. So there for a couple of years, I would ask for Roman Coke. And the reason why I kept getting this look like, that's I don't know. Hysterical. So, yeah. So I love a little, you know, a little crown, you know, crown and Coke, rum and Coke. Just that's, that's kind of my, my go-to thing, but yeah, I don't even know that's what some so of this stuff's funny. called. Yeah. 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 No, I, um, I, yeah, I typically don't drink when I do drink. It's, you know, like a, a Bloody Mary or vodka crayon, like Tito's. I'm a big Tito's girl. Okay. Um, if I'm, if I'm taking shots, it's gotta be clear tequila. None of that See, age stuff. the only shots kind of I've ever done are like the uh, fireball. Oh God, no! Oof, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I did that no. once, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> no, no, that is that is college and bad decision. That's that's what that smells like. Fireball Ugh. and Goldschlager. No, no, thank you. Um, Ugh. that's that's a that's like a visceral reaction there. Anyways. Uh, moving on to the, let's see, what is our next move? Our next move. Um, well, speaking of the Jays, uh, Brandon Belt to the Jays. So Brandon Belt coming over from the San Francisco Giants to the Blue Jays, um, over there in the AL East. Um, I think he's going to be great. He's going to be able to platoon with, uh, Danny Jansen. And, um, if you guys are not as familiar with the Blue Jays, 
The Blue Jays um, had three catchers. Now they're running two. Alejandro Kirk, who is their main everyday catcher, and Danny Jansen, who is their their quote-unquote backup catcher. The days that that the catchers do not actually catch, they're the DH. So Danny Jansen is their DH most of the days. Um, his bat is so, so important that he is kept in the lineup, as, as is Alejandro Kirk when he gets off his feet. So I think um, Brandon Belt going over there to platoon with uh, Danny Jansen, Jansen going against lefties. He absolutely crushes lefties. Brandon Belt with the righties, I think, will be a um, welcome addition to that to that lineup. Um, and the Jays, the Jays are making some moves and and fortifying that that uh, that lineup. And I'll be interested to see what actually transpires in that AL East this season. Yeah, you know, and he was a name that a lot of um, I think Astros fans were even talking about possibly going out and getting when, you know, before we signed Abreu, like he was a name, serviceable name. You know, if you look at his career, you know, he's a 261 hitter, 175 home runs. Um, he is a Texas kid. He's from Nacogdoches, actually. Um, oh, he actually went to, um, it looks like he went to the University of Texas. I mean, this dude was a fifth-round pick in 09, um, a career OPS of 814, um, 584 RBIs, only 47 stolen bases. He's not your, you know, speed guy, but, you know, he is 34. Um, he would have been younger than Abreu, but I think the Astros did a good job in getting Abreu. Oh, yeah. But the Blue Jays, just their roster last year, like how do they get to this point of it was the only team I was truly concerned about in the AL to not even making the playoffs. And they've got so many players. You know, they did lose Teoscar Hernandez, who is who who is a stud, who actually um, is asking sixteen million in his case with the uh, Mariners now his new team, and they're only offering fourteen, so they're actually going to arbitration. Um, really, because, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah so oh. so he'll probably get fifteen, I think, and then after this year, then he would possibly sign a long term deal. But I just saw that the other day. But the Blue Jays. Last year, they said, this is our year. And I mean, famously, right. Vlad Guerrero Jr. said before the season, this is the year we're going to do it. This is going to be like a movie. You know, this is going to be a trailer to a movie or whatever he said. Right. And then what happened? They didn't show up. But I mean, when you when you look at this team, I mean, you look at who they have. Anthony Bass, Chris Bassett, Jose Barrios. I mean, those those pitchers alone, um, Alex Manoa, Nate Pearson, who... Man, he's he's not done what he can do, but they have. I mean, I can I can go through the whole lineup. Their 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 one two three is is potent. I mean, of Alec Manoa and Kevin Gossman, that one two is is yeah freaking ridiculous. Yeah, Gossman. Chris yeah. Bassett. Chris Bassett is a great three. I think he's going to. I think he's really going to fortify that that starting rotation, and I think he will be better than what he was for the Mets. Um, if Jose Barrios could be the Jose mm. Barrios of old and not the Jose Barrios mm. of last season, yeah. I, that is that is a very scary lineup. Um, Kikuchi, oh, bless it, Kikuchi. I don't even know what's going on with that. Yeah, uh, Kikuchi, you know, Kikuchi's never, like, it's weird. He's a guy that can give you a quality start. He's going to give up some runs. He's going to give up some hits. For sure. Um, he has swing and miss stuff, but his, I don't, his his location is is his problem, but when you start looking at their offense too, you know, yeah, um, oh, no, they've got some they've got some big I old mean, bats out there. Bichette, Chapman, bats. Guerrero. I mean those those three right there. I mean that's that's enough to you know cause you to game plan around those guys. And the shift is being ended, and so you know will will some of their hitters be you know affected positively towards that and. Look, I think the AL East is a very strong division. For sure. It's very, it's very top-heavy. I think it's Yankees, I think it's Blue Jays, and I think it's Orioles. Um, I, I don't I don't know anybody else. Well, I mean, the, Tampa, but the Rays Tampa's, are always sneaky. The Tampa's Rays are there. always sneaky. T- see, I agree. Tampa's there. But Tampa did lose G-Man Choi, who's been kind of one of their main guys. Um, I don't I – don't, I can't remember who they've signed in the offseason – or who they've added, but 
I think the top three are going to be the Yankees, the Blue Jays, you know, and well, I mean, they're, the see. they got Christian Bethencourt from the A's, who's their catcher. They got Isak Paredes, uh, who's who'll play first. Brandon Lau is going to play second. Yanni Diaz, third. Uh, shortstop, Wander Franco, obviously. Manny Margot and right. Jose Siri. Bronco was injured a lot last year, wasn't he? Yeah, with, a, I think it was the hamate bone or something. Um, okay. I think, but I, if he if he's back at full strength, he's going to be. Yeah, lethal. that's true. And, you know, I guess, I honestly, the Rays are one of those teams where they're, they're always they're relevant. An they're but an I don't know a ton about them. I, exactly. I just I don't I don't follow them that well. I know the Wander Francos. I, I know their prospects, but it's like how do they keep finding ways to win? You know, and they do it on a shoestring budget. They do yep. it. You know, it's they're kind of the five below version of Major League Baseball. Well, actually, yep. it's not five below anymore. But we won't get into that. No. Uh, um, <laughs> well, I mean, but but their starting rotation is disgusting as well. I mean, they got McClanahan and Glass now as their one-two. They signed Eflin in the offseason. Um, they still have Drew Rasmussen and Jeffrey Springs, who are just nasty. And you're like, who? Drew Rasmussen? Jeffrey Springs? And if you don't follow them, you're not going to know how disgusting they actually are. Um, and they've got three pitchers in there that um, that they always can – they've been stretched out to being starter starting pitchers um but odds are they're going to going to be moved to the um to the bullpen um they got uh yanni Torinos, luis patino josh fleming and garrett clevenger and then they have a ridiculous list of arms that you don't know who are just kind of no ones that all have disgustingly different arm slots that are just okay and they throw ridiculous stuff and you're like where did you come from What's and they added on? they added zach Eflin, right um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, yeah, so, so it's, so yeah, you're right. When you, when you look at this lineup top to bottom and you just dive into the names without, I mean, even if you just know minimal stuff about them, they do have a very potent lineup. Um, you know, I mean, Hey, Jose series come into his own there. Jose series gotten really comfortable there. And mm-hmm. I think Jose Siri is showing a lot of people what he was trying to sh- tell the Astros, Hey, this is what I have. And this is who I am. And kind of a, kind of a, a, maybe a little bit lesser version of Miles Straw and what he was able to do in Cleveland. And I don't know if Jose Siri can flip this into a four or five year contract like Miles Straw did, but nonetheless, he shows that, I mean, he has an elite glove and that's why they had him. I mean, when they, when they picked him up in the Astros system, he had an elite glove. He was one of the best center fielders they'd ever had, and he had the ability to hit, but it was the inconsistency of the contact, what they were trying to work on. You know, speaking of that, Susie, we were we were talking with um, Rafael um, Pena, who is the who has become the Astros minor league hitting coordinator, and we asked him about Pedro Leone, mm-hmm. and we said, "Hey, Pedro Leone, the, the the word on the street is great power, great arm." But he misses a lot. He strikes hole? out have a we, lot. Have we fixed the hole in, in his swing? Well, and what he said was, unlike some players, he goes, some players are natural hitters. Mm-hmm. So Pedro Leone is not a natural hitter. So every bit of hitting he does, he has to work for. Right. He has the talent. He has the athletic ability. But he's he is not a natural. It doesn't come natural to him. And he said, he said, that's hard to think about when you're talking about professional hitters, but they're not right. all natural hitters. They're, they're not all Mike Trout, Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve. Some guys, you don't see the work they put in to get to where they are. They're right. not natural hitters. And they're always, so he said, he just continues to work, but he said, I know his work ethic and I still have high hopes for him. And so yeah. Pedro Leon, I think when he gets it figured out, once he starts connecting, once something fires in his brain, when he gets his mechanics down, I mean, I, I, I think we're going to see him at some point this season um, helping the Astros out because the dude's got a lot of tools that can be utilized. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So, um, but yeah, so we will, we will keep our eyes, eyes on the, the AL East, obviously, because, you know, a number of our, of our greatest opponents come from over there. Uh, a couple of other big signings, Nelly Cruz to the Padres for, one season for one year. Um, now, 
Brett, you know that I am a recent convert of the baseballs, right? So I didn't mm -hmm. start watching baseball until 2018. So my entire limited view of Nelson Cruz has been as a DH. Recently, I just watched the 2011 World Series between okay. the Rangers and the Cardinals. When I tell you that I nearly fell over when I saw Nelson Cruz in right field, I died. I was like, I'm sorry, Who, who's in right field? Nelson Cruz? <laughs> Why is Nelson Cruz in right field? Because I'm, I'm viewing that as the as the Nelson Cruz DH, not right. Nelson Cruz of of 2011, right? Right. And it it blew it blew my mind. And then and then the 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 catch that basically sealed Game Six. But that's that's neither here nor there. But um. Oh, that's I okay. I love, I love, I love thinking back on the 2011 World Series because it makes my Rangers fan friends cringe, and you know, it, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mind seeing my foes wallow in their pain. My bad. I'm sorry. One um, strike away, I, I died. And considering that I had no, you know, skin in the game or no, no horse in the race, there, I, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. One <laughs> strike away from winning the World Series, and then for it to all blow up in their face, I, well, I died. Well, you know, from an Astros perspective, we were one strike away, two batters before Pujols got up to clinch our first World Series in the NLCS. And I was at that game, Game 5 NLCS. And I remember when David Eckstein got wait, on base. What year is that? Right. 2005. 2005, So okay. David Eckstein gets on base, and I forget the next batter that gets up, but it was basically the famous Albert Pujols versus Brad Lidge. The home run that basically broke Brad Lidge <laughs> as an Astro, but he went, I mean, yes, I did see to that. his credit, he went to Philadelphia, helped him win a World Series. So, but um, yeah, so that right there, like I remember being there in the moment going, we're going to clinch. I'm going to be at the game clinching first World Series ever. And no, freaking our pool holes. No. You know, that's, yeah. that's why I got full redemption this year in game six. I took my son, we were at game six of the World Series and got to watch it and when I explain to my son how rare it is for you to watch your home team clinch in their home ballpark, he was like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, I'm like, that's a rare occurrence. So you, that's a probably once in a lifetime opportunity. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, but between, between skinny Nelson Cruz and skinny Albert Pujols playing first, I, my mind was just blown the entire, the entire world series. I, um, it, the, yeah, it, it it was a whole thing. I was I was live tweeting things about about the game and about revelations that I had about players, and I I was shocked. See, I was shocked. see back then back then I was skinny Brett. I wasn't even H Town wheelhouse. <laughs> now I'm like I'm like big Brett and <laughs> right. Yeah. So. No. Well, it, you know, it, it, like I said, it, it was one of those things. So we'll. We'll see how um, Nelson Cruz does out there at, um, in the Padres lineup. I honestly believe that that Nelson Cruz was signed um, not so much as like a babysitter for Fernando Tatis, but maybe as a father figure type of thing. Um, I mean, you know, he's what, 40, 41, 42 years old, obviously mm -hmm. veteran of the game, amazing veteran of the game, um, you know, just sitting on the bench talking to to nelson cruz like what what is that worth right so now um now nelson cruz i don't know if do you, do you know his history with the biogenesis scandal is that the is is that the um he uh, back in that... back in back in 2013 he accepted a 50 game suspension um in connection with the biogenesis case when he was with the rangers um interesting and so Maybe because he's been through that uh -huh. and, you know, I, I just, that whole Tatis thing, when they, when they rolled out the ringworm cream argument, I was like, this is an all time low in the steroid right. defense. Like, you know, I've heard players throw their wives under the bus. I've heard players say, well, I didn't know what I was putting in my body, which I think is total BS. And then this look, hopefully Tatis Jr. Can recover from this because going into this, before this happened, he was becoming the face of baseball. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I loved Eric and I were at the game. He had like a home run and I love seeing him do his little, his little jot around third base, put the home run chain on. I mean, even though they 
kick the Astros' butt. That was a fun game to go to. I was I like, know. this kid's He's electric. He's electric. He's he, fun. He's Jinx, exciting. You owe me a Coke. I don't drink Coke, but you owe me something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But he is, he is, he's exciting. He's electric to watch. Uh, I, I mean, moving out to the outfield, I don't, I don't think he's going to be as electric, you know, but that's, that is to preserve his, his body. And at this point, I don't think he has any say of, of where he plays or how much playing time he gets uh, at this point. Cause he needs to, he needs to uh, eat some crow and, you know, humble himself and just, and put his head down and, and work and maybe, Maybe he's one of those that like everything has come so so easy for him that that maybe he forgets how how hard it is for some people. Well, you know, know, and here's the thing: there, you know, this whole Fernando Tatis Jr. is it, it's a very layered thing. Like, you know, his like his contract, his contract right. was so long, but I don't know if a lot of people know this. A lot of that contract, a lot of that money. I, I I don't know if it's half, but it's it's a pretty big chunk of that money that he signed. He owes to agents that have had him who basically when he signed with them, they said, well, your first contract, you're giving us this much. And he had a pretty big chunk of that contract that he's having to give back and pay back. And so when this when this suspension came up, that was like, whoa, is this going to avoid his contract? He still owes money. And, you know. A lot of what these players go through coming from the Dominican, coming from from different countries, if they don't get connected with the right people, I'm not saying he's not connected with the right people, but there are a lot of dangers and pitfalls that we don't think about or we don't really hear about, you know, kind of this underbelly of, you know, Major League Baseball. And so they've done a good job, I think, recently of cleaning a lot of stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they play payers, what they're worth in the international draft, like the Astros and the other teams are doing, you know, today as we speak, but yeah, you know, Tatis has got a lot of things going on that I think hopefully will make him a better player. And he comes out of this on the, on the good side of it. He comes out right. of this learning because so many young players look up to him. I mean, I don't know if you saw the moment where Freddie Freeman's son at the All-Star game wanted to go meet Fernando Tatis Jr. He yes. had Fernando Tatis Jr. You know, and that's what kind of player he is. And that's what baseball needs. Baseball needs to be more marketable to, to a younger audience. Oh, and for sure. So, yeah. For sure. Um, I So, I pulled up his contract on Spot on Track. Mm-hmm. For those who are not familiar with Fernando Tatis's Fernando Tatis Jr.'s contract, there we go. Words are hard. Um, he signed a 14-year, 340 million dollar contract with the Padres, including mm-hmm. a 10 million dollar signing bonus, 340 million dollars guaranteed. Golly, and in an annual average salary of 24 million 285,714. FYI. Numbers are very hard when you've had um, alcohol in your system. So just a just a reference there. <laughs> that took all of my remaining brain cells that I've had for the day. And Susie will not be doing any more thinking because I had to think very hard on how to pronounce all of those numbers correctly. So, um, but anyways, the, I honestly though I really I really hope that like I said, Nelson. I mean, Nelson Cruz didn't have the greatest season um, with the Nationals last year, but again, I think that. I think that he will be better with the Padres. Um, in the offseason, he had eye surgery. Um, I think that obviously will help a lot. You know, seeing the ball is integral to hitting the ball is what I've been told. I don't know any of this because, you know, I'm not an athlete. Um, but typically when you see better, you can hit better. Uh, you know, words. Um, so, you know, he is also the – he's also a player coach for the Dominican um, or World Baseball Classic. So we shall see how that goes as well. Um, I don't, I don't actually know, know about that. And everyone's like, oh, player coach, player coach. And apparently that was a thing back in the days. And I don't, I don't know these things because, you know. Pete Rose was a player coach. (laughs) For the Reds? He was a manager and a player. Yes. For the Reds? Mm -hmm. (gasps) I believe it was was either, it was either Reds or Phillies. Yeah. No, I think it was the Reds because the Reds were the, were the, were the last team he was, he was with Phillies and he was with the Reds. And he was with the Reds when he got busted for um, for his gambling. Um, All the gambling, you know. yeah. But yeah, so basically, to to kind of 
put a little bit of a bow on what I talked about with Tatis Jr. was he was paid as a prospect. Okay. And mm-hmm. so he, he, um, since he was paid as a prospect, when they get paid as a prospect, a, a portion of that um, goes back to the person who signed them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, basically they are, they are owed fees. So like, it's like, right. I will, I will represent you. Um, I'll get you your big contract. When you sign your contract, I pay you, you got to pay this back and pay a portion of your contract. So it may not be as, as, as much as I thought, but, but I, but I do know that his salary, the first several years or a portion of it is due back to the person. Cause as a prospect, they're able to sign, you know, um, interesting thing. There is a kid out of, I think it's Ridge point high school in the Houston area, mm-hmm. 15 years old, throws 96. He's a lefty. He's hired Scott Boris as an advisor. Oh, Jesus. Yes. He's one of the top oh, left-handers in America. He's on wow. the, he's on the, um, U 15 USA baseball team. And his, his name escapes me. I, I, I think his last name is, I, I think it's McCarran, but I, I, I'd have to go look it up. But I, I just came into knowledge of that. But yeah, Boris is his kid's advisor. And so interesting with the, all these wow. new rules. I mean, there's all kinds of new financial things coming on, especially with the NIL with college and college right. baseball. And I mean, it's I, th- I, I think the water is going to get really muddied and murky these next few years because. How is someone not an agent, but they're an advisor? How is someone an advisor and not an agent? It, it right. just, wow. I mean, yeah. what a tangled uh, web these kids can weave. And that's, look, kids, if you're listening <laughs> or parents, if you're listening, you have a kid, make sure you surround yourself with the right people because yeah. there's a lot of people out there that all they want to do is when you get paid, they get paid. And so, I mean, there's there's a lot of people looking to make a buck. Um, yeah. And even with these sure. pros, these pros hire people for a reason. They trust them. And so trust is big. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I obviously um, have all of the knowledge in the world because I, I'm an athlete and I was definitely, no, I'm just kidding. I was definitely not recruited for any of the, any of the things because I'm five, two and Asian. So, you know, um, but anyways, I'm, a giant. Uh, I'm five, eight and a half. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No, there's, um, Shelby and I did, uh, did a photo shoot for, you know, some upcoming marketing things that we've got, we've got cooking. And, um, she's like, it would be so funny if I could, if I just stood next to you and put my arm on your head, I'm all funny for who that's not funny. It was actually hysterical. Cause she literally awesome. put her hand, like her arm is like on my head. I'm all, I hate you, whatever. It's like, this is, this is not fair. But every time I step on a step stool, I'm all, is this what it feels like to be tall? Yes, that's exactly what it feels like. Be like average height. Okay. You feel like Except Jeff Passan. Have you seen the famous picture of Jeff Passan standing on his wooden box? Yes. And he yeah. loves that wooden box. He's he's not even like he's not even ashamed of it. He like hugs it and takes yeah. pictures. It's really kind of weird. Well, in high school, when I when I could do it, I used to wear four inch platform styrofoam flip flops. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, now. Uh, I would wear those and then twist my ankle and die. You know, I can't, I can't, we can't afford that. Right. So, but in high school I was five, six, Susie was, was rocking it with, with her four inch nice. platform, styrofoam flip-flops. And now, now I'm going to turn my, turn my ankle and, and just <laughs> die. So that's, that's not the thing anymore. We can't, we can't do that. Now we, now we go for the sensible, comfortable shoes. So there you go. Um, but anyways, moving on from the um, Padres also to a California California team, uh, Miguel Rojas from the Marlins signs with the Dodgers. And then I heard something like he needed he needed some sort of arm surgery as well, which I needed to look into and then didn't because um, I saw something shiny and ran out of time. So, but apparently Miguel Rojas from the Marlins moves over to the Dodgers. So I guess they really don't trust Gavin Lux for shortstop. Well, um, isn't he um, now had had Gavin Lux moved to second with Trey Turner there? Yes. No, I thought Gavin Lux was their kind of like utility kind of like oh, he's okay. going to play wherever. Be- I could because be I was because because I was told that Gavin Lux would would more than likely move to second, especially with the, with the signing of Rojas. Yeah, I 
I don't, I don't remember. I, but as of before uh, Miguel Rojas was signed, that that was the plan was Gavin Lux was going to be the shortstop. Mm. So um, as far as now, as when Miguel got signed, I don't, I don't know what what's going on over there. But like I said, I did not dive as deep as I needed to because apparently there's some sort of arm surgery that needs to happen yeah. or something with Miguel Rojas. So I, yeah, was, he, I was a little confused. So he had a surgery on October 5th. Oh, okay. So, yeah, because um, if you look back, um, Miguel Rojas is having surgery two days from now, but is still taking at bats. And this was on 10-3-22. Um, it was uh, tweeted out by MLB Trade Rumors. Um, so what that, what that says three days ago, it says he's progressing after October wrist surgery. Um, and that was just reported here. Um, and like literally they were talking about it on 570 AM Dodgers talk with David, um, Veja. They said, there's still a couple other things that I need to figure out with the wrist, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be ready for spring training if all goes well. So Miguel Rojas is basically saying he's going to be ready. It basically isolated his power. It says uh, Rojas, this is from Craig Mish. He's a, he's a verified guy on Twitter. Rojas per, per sources had a major issue pop up recently after undergoing wrist surgery back in October. He'll need a procedure on it from what I understand, but it didn't hold up the deal with the Dodgers. The trade is complete. So yeah. it, well, wasn't a, so- it wasn't an ankle issue yeah. like Correa so apparently they didn't give any issues and you know yeah, he'll be ready Dod- so that's the Dodgers were good so yeah. yeah so Mickey Rowe goes to the Dodgers Justin Turner goes over to the Boston Red Sox and him and Kike can figure out all of the uh all of the ridiculous so can you handshakes that they can so, do so think about this Justin Turner leaves the Dodgers and goes to the Red Sox you would think title contender to title contender <laughs> he went from title contender to meh maybe they make the playoffs <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on over there in Red Sox Nation. I, it, it's, it's a little. Red Sox fans got to be furious. Red Sox because... fans are in shambles. I'm not gonna lie. Red Sox fans are in shambles. They don't, they don't know what's going on. And 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 uh, like I said, they, their, their owner John Henry has not spoken to the press in like three years. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen in Houston uh, if Jim Crane did not speak to the press for three years? Especially with all of the ridiculous like moves that. that I mean, not ridiculous. The the moves that that have been made here, if you know, after we didn't resign Springer and after we didn't resign Cole, if if Jim Crane did not come out and you know address anything, do, can you just imagine the uproar and the uprising that would happen? Oh my gosh! I mean, it, I mean, I insane. see the uprising when we when we sign you know, Jose Abreu, and then we don't really sign a whole lot of other people. And everybody's like, why aren't the Astros spending money? Jim Crane is cheap. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's like this whole arbitration thing, because I don't, I haven't, I've come in, into a better understanding of it this year more than I ever have, just because I've never looked into it, you know? Right. Um, so many people that I have conversations with, they either really have a lot of knowledge. And if they don't, they try to act like they do. And it's like, I'm just not there. Like I'm totally willing to admit where I have these shortcomings in knowledge and understanding. I just, it's, it's a little confusing, but it's not as difficult. I think as some make it out to be like, I kind of freaked out when I saw that they had a $500,000 gap between what Christian Javier wanted and what the Astros wanted. But when you look into it, that's a typical thing, you know? Right. Um, and so, anyways, I don't know if it, if you want to get into that, I'm not trying to guide your show. But, I just... No, you're fine. Um, I there, there's a couple a couple of other free agent signings that yes. I'd like to touch on, and yeah. then we'll then we'll jump into the to the arb um our players. So a uh, couple of other things: Johnny Cueto to the Marlins. Um, and if you follow the the uh, NL at all, you would think, why is Johnny Cueto signing with the Marlins? Their rotation is set. Well, as of now, um, Kim Ang has basically put their entire starting rotation. Um, on the trade block, basically, he wow. said, "Okay, like, let you would you like Pablo Lopez? Sure, like, let's chat." Um, I think the only untouchable is Sandy Alcantara, uh, who won the NL Cy Young last year. So, um, and you think if you know Johnny Cueto signs with the Marlins, he would have said, "How many innings am I actually going to really be able to pitch next year?" Because you've got all of these guys. So. 
be on the lookout for any of those players. Um, Escobar, um, not Alcantara. I mean, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I would. Depending I on would, what kind of haul they get back, but. Um, they would have to get a haul, but he's a guy that you can build around because he's young enough and he's mm-hmm. had enough success early on. The good thing about Cueto is last year he, he threw for 158 innings, but up until from 2018 to 2021, the most pitches he had, the most innings he had pitched for any innings pitch he had had per season was 114. So in 2017 was the last time he really went out there, 25 games, 147 innings. And I don't know, I'm not looking at his injury history. I don't know if he was dealing with injuries, but he was a guy that I was kind of secretly hoping the Astros would would go after just because he's a solid veteran. He's a workhorse. Um, he'll he'll give you the innings. And he is he's just one of these Latin players that I think could mold and help shape some of our younger Latin players that we have because we have a large contingency of them. Right. And Johnny Cueto would, would hold so much value, I think, in this staff. I mean, obviously, we have a pleasure of talent. And uh, unless you're moving someone like an Urquidy or right. trading or getting rid of one of your starters, you then you would have seven starters, essentially. And look, at the end of the year, um, I think the Marlins are going to be one of those teams that is honestly going to be competitive. I don't know that you have four teams come out of the NL East. But no, no. But but the Marlins do have some talent. They have yeah. young players. They've got you know um, Brian De La Cruz, who the Astros um, sent over there. And well, they've, they've got, got they've a, got a couple of they got a couple of uh, former Astros. Alex Degotti just Degotti yes. um yeah. just um, signed over there. Um, also, CJ Hinojosa was also right. in the Astros um, system. So they, they've 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 got a few. It'll be interesting to see where their starting rotation lands. Um, like I said, you got Escobar, see, was, you got Lopez, the just where where are we going? So it'll it'll be interesting to see. See, I was thinking Yuli would end up there as well, just because I had heard, okay. you know, um, I believe he I believe his main his main home where he lives is in is Miami. Miami. Okay. And I've heard kind of, you know, mummers about him talking to the Marlins, but I don't know mm-hmm. if they're like serious conversations, but that seemed to seem to me, if he doesn't end up in Houston, the most appropriate place for, for, um, for, you know, you, you to land. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what the, on opening day, what the starting rotation looks like over there in, uh, in the Marlins organization. Um, I guess um, through various podcasts that I, that I listened to, apparently, uh, Miggy Road, not not so well liked in the Marlins clubhouse. I'm not. I, that was sh- that was a little surprising to me. Um, so maybe maybe since since Miggy Road got dealt to the dealt to the Dodgers, maybe they do need a another veteran presence in that clubhouse that maybe is a little a little bit less than Miggy Row. I don't know. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, but last um last free agent that we we will touch on is Brett Phillips. Brett Phillips is one of my absolute favorite non-Astros players, and he has an organization called Baseball is Fun. And if you've watched any sort of time of Brett Phillips, um, any sort of clips, you will see how much fun Brett Phillips is having. He was originally with the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, He is a position player. There are some famous, famous clips of of Brett Phillips uh, being a position player pitching. And he's got got some great clips. So uh, YouTube those if you can find those. He got DFA'd by the Rays and then got picked up by the Orioles for a hot minute and then um, got sent down to the Orioles uh, AAA team, which kind of made me really sad because I was like, Brett Phillips, what? Um, great outfielder. I say great. Um, serviceable, serviceable outfielder. I assume amazing teammate. I've yet to come across any sort of negative press on, on Brett Phillips. Um, what really solidified me on Brett Phillips was – when he did get DFA'd by the by the Rays, before he left, he made sure to um, spend time with the little girl named Chloe, who apparently came to one of the Rays games, mm. um, was battling cancer, and had asked Brett to hit her a home run in the game. And sure enough, Brett Phillips wow. hit hit her a home run. And so before he left um, Tampa, before he left the Rays organization, he made sure to go and spend time with Chloe. Uh, before he left, and that just 
we all know that baseball players, most baseball players are, are great human beings, but Brett Phillips doing that, taking the time out of his day to do that, just uh, solidifies to me that he is an amazing human being. And I hope he has an amazing time with the Angels organization over there. And I think he's going to bring, bring great vibes to the Angels organization. And I can't wait to see how he interacts with Shohei. I'm, I'm so excited oh, yeah. to see that. No, yeah, he is. Um, he's he's definitely one of the guys. You know, if there was if there was any major league player that I would say, if I was a major league baseball player, I I would be like this person, and not just because we have the same first name, but he is he is pretty much my spirit animal. You know, I, I always tell people that if I would have ever played baseball up uh, up to a high level, been drafted, I would be the guy that literally every game they'd be like, okay, you got to go to the locker room. You got to take a shower. You got to quit talking to the fans. You got to quit signing autographs. And Brett Phillips comes across as one of those guys. And, you know, he's also an avid gamer. Um, I'm uh, friends with a guy who, who is, who is a gamer who basically um, plays online, uh, whether it's Fortnite, um, Modern Warfare, whatever, with several Astros, Brett Phillips, Mm -hmm. he's actually become good friends with. And Brett Phillips has actually sent him, some of his game worn jerseys. Really? Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, and if you, if you pay attention to his social media, he's always, you know, got some sponsorship with some new PC or new, new gaming device, but literally that infectious, almost um, childlike charm for the game that he has is, is not as prevalent in the league. Now yeah. play, there's, you know, players across the league enjoy the game in different levels, but he does it in a way that when you hear Brett Phillips, you know exactly who he is. Yes. He may not be the all-star. He may not be the greatest, but you know about his home run in mm-hmm. the 2020 World Series. You know about, um, he, like you said, his antics on the mound warming up. Um, but more than that, his interaction with the fans. And so Brett Phillips is good for the game. Brett Phillips I think will be perfect in Los Angeles because everything I've heard about Mike Trout and friends that I know that um, have a good friend of mine who's who um, who talks with Trout on a regular basis. And he's like, Trout's one of the most fun loving guys you'll ever meet. And him and Otani, they're always cutting up. Brett Phillips, I think, will be cutting up with them. So that'll be a great clubhouse for I think Brett Phillips to be a part of because he's going to do whatever you ask him to do. I mean, you know, he he's just really just one of those. He is the kid growing up that as a coach you want on your team. Yeah. Because yeah, no sure. matter what happens. Um, and it reminds me of this, Susie, and I'll just share this really quick. Um, coming out of COVID, there was there was a lot of limitations on our rosters when we were in Little League and a lot of kids like signed up, but then they but then they they backed out because you know parents were worried. Right. Well right. then they allowed they had a pool, so you could put your name in a pool and if you were available. And all you had to do is check the schedule and whatever team was playing, you just show up in your baseball uniform, you could play. Well, oh. we, we were, we were the pirates and we were the worst team, no pun intended in little league that year. Um, I don't think we won a game in the regular season, but this kid <laughs> came and played for us one time and he had such a good time playing for us. Uh-huh. He would play. This kid was at the ball field every night playing for different teams, but he made sure that we always had a spot open because we were two players short all year. When we got to the playoffs, because everybody makes the playoffs in the league, mm-hmm. our first game, he shows up in his, he had some select team that was the Pirates. Uh-huh. He showed up in his select team Pirates jersey, and he said, Coach, let's go win this one. We're, we, we are all Pirates tonight. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. But that's how I imagine Brett Phillips would be when he was a kid growing up and still to this day. It's it's just a great testament um, to his character and just more of what baseball needs. Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, Brett Phillips, uh, if, if ever you come across this, I hope I wish you well in the angels organization. And I hope that you, I, I really need some, I really need some, um, Brett Phillips filling in for Shohei Otani content. That's, that is what I, that is my dearest wish for this 